It's almost like blah 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 Thank you, sir. Thank you. You're beautiful in every way. You are <laughs> so beautiful. <laughs> Today's episode is entitled Tension or Problem. Ooh. It's a big one. So it's yes. a conference on marriage. Well, we you know oh, yeah. what we could we could certainly talk about yeah, that a little bit. Yeah, we shouldn't. We really shouldn't on this one. Well, so. it, if we wanted an expert opinion, we should have Amy in here because she has a lot of data to share. Yeah. <laughs> She's written a new book. <laughs> yes. Hey, so the idea of the podcast, first off, just in general, a reminder to everyone: we attempt in this podcast to provide some helps along the way. We hope for crazy pastors. Yeah. Let us be clear, and of which just admitting it here that we, in fact, are crazy ourselves. So we're not trying to talk about all of those crazy pastors. Yes. We just assume that, you know, if you're a pastor, you have some of the same idiosyncrasies and problems that we might have. Very unifying. That actually we do have. So today we're going to talk about this idea. Andy Stanley made it really popular in the church world, although this issue has been around in change management theory in the corporate world for a long, long time. Sure. So uh, yes. the, the question is the premise. When we encounter an issue that causes tension, do we identify it as a tension to manage or do we label it as a problem to be solved? Yeah. And how you approach these things can have a big impact in your own sanity, but it can also have a big impact in your organization. So right. we'll just start off on, on the corporate side because it's really easy to talk about there. And then let's try to get into some church-specific things. Okay. So from the corporate side, if we are a large company and we have product that we're trying to sell or a service to provide, then we are going to have many, many departments in our company. We're going to have back office work like finance and legal and AP, AR, all that kind of stuff. But then we also are going to have a sales force. We're going to have executive management. C-suite type things. We're also going to have a marketing department and budget, and we're going to have a R&D or product development group. So sometimes the salespeople would say things like, well, you don't pay us enough, therefore I'm not motivated to go sell enough. Yeah. Or you're not spending enough in marketing. We didn't have a Super Bowl ad. And so how can I go sell this product if you're not pushing it to the public in a marketing? You know, like whether it's Coke Zero is an example. How did that, yeah. that become so successful? Well, it took some marketing. And then you have the R&D side that you need to spend money on. Otherwise, you're not going to have new products to sell into the future. Right. And so it'd be easy to say, stop spending money in R&D because I'm in sales and you need to pay me a lot more money. Yeah. But we know if we stop spending money in R&D, then we won't have anything to sell in the future. Right. Right? A lot of tension so, there. So this is, and that that's the point here. The difference between a problem to be solved and a tension to be managed is that if it is in fact a problem, it's like a mathematical equation and there is a solution to it and then it's resolved and you're not going to see it again. So is there a criteria to help you discern if it's a problem or it's a tension? Like, is there just some basic thoughts, questions you need to ask when considering a conflict to help determine what it is? Or is it just kind of like each case stands on its own? Well, it's a great question. And matter of fact, if you were to Google that right now, as I did it earlier, Ooh. there are articles out there, both in the business community and the church community, to give some guidelines to it. There is one that is common to all of them that I think is probably a good rule to follow, that if you have an issue 
that is recurring and it's happening over and over and over and over again, then yeah. it may be a problem that needs to be solved. Yeah. Right. If it is something that happens once, you yeah. know, then I'm not sure there's a solution that's required for it. Yeah. Okay. Right. So okay. repetition, probably also another key is mission critical nature of things. Yeah. I mean, there's sometimes stuff is so big that, I mean, you really have to, you have to hit it yeah. and take care of it. Yeah. Uh, sometimes it could be a fine line. Right, to try to make that determination. And, it definitely is. And I, yeah. and I would probably argue, in, at least in our context of church work, most of these issues are tensions to be managed. Right. <laughs> but I think in our hearts, we want them to be a problem to solve. Yeah. So there's tension in church work, is what you're saying. A lot. That's okay. A lot. That's, that's a newsflash. Yeah. Well, let's it's, it's just in. Let, let's throw out an example that okay. we have both experienced in our careers. Yeah. There was a day when Sunday and Wednesday were sacred in church life, and it really didn't matter what denomination you were. Right. These were two, a morning and an, a night that yeah. were just devoted to church. Yeah. And then we had this massive advancement of sports. Yep. And, and I, what I mean, I, I really do mean it's, it, it's been incredible. A matter of fact, Amy, we were watching the Olympics and she said, uh, has the human species evolved? Is that why we're setting records every single Olympics <laughs> and why that, you know, an interesting question. Yeah. It, I mean, it, it is every right? year has right. the species evolved because we're doing things faster and bigger and higher. And you look at football players. I mean, yeah. at one point they were wearing leather helmets, Ryan. Right. Yes. Right. I remember meeting a guy that uh, he's kind of famous guy. He was an offensive lineman in the 70s. He played. Well, I won't even give his the team he played for, but a, a very successful football team. He weighed 225 pounds. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yes. They've all. And he was bigger. a mountain of a guy, but right. he at that time was 225 pounds as a lineman. Yeah. And today, 225. One, there's running backs that are 225. Right. Yeah. Right. Three fifty, three eighty, four hundred yeah. pounds as, Running and they're four, not fat. Yeah. Four four forties. So yeah. I mean, it's incredible, <laughs> right? It is. So I mean, okay. Scientifically, has the species evolved? No. Yeah. But what's happened is that training, diet, yes. science has better understanding and yeah. and laser focus on athleticism. Right. How does it impact the church? Yeah. All right. <laughs> so is everybody's kids going to be a pro athlete one day? And they're all superstars. It's oh. a it's a ten year old kid, and man, that kid is going to D one scholarship. If I don't do select if I'm not um, practice on Wednesday or tournaments on Sundays, then yes. he's going to be left behind. Right. So it, is is yeah. that a tension to be managed or a problem to be solved? Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's definitely a tension. I mean, that, that convincing parents that their kid's not going to be that all star, that professional athlete, that's a tough one. And just that sports is such a God in our country. You know, I heard a sermon, Chandler, talking to his church about that. Just like, you got to decide which one is more important. Which which is your true God? God of the universe or the God of sports? Because you guys are, you're teaching your kids these messages. And I, I think that's a, that's going to be a tension. I mean, there is a solution to that, right? Stop doing that. But then there's a new generation come up. Even if that were to stop, here's the one behind them comes up. Same idea. So building into this, we're always going to be facing this battle. So how do we manage it better to help encourage people to do the right thing? You know, I think about worship wars. Right. We went through all that stuff too. And solutions were, well, we can solve that by doing two different styles or doing blended worship, but then fully solve the problem. Right. Right. And even if you have those scenarios, you still have a tension based on unity that's disjointed. Yeah. 
So learning to manage all that. So one solution may even lead to more tension in a different area. Yeah. On the worship war side, if you do treat it as a problem to be solved, then you say, look, we're just going to do one style of worship, which is fine. I mean, I've been to Life Church as an example. Yeah. They do one style of worship across their campuses, and they also have age diversity, which is surprising. Right. So people have adopted that. But there's still going to be a tremendous number of people that say, look, I want traditional worship. You don't do it here. Yeah. I'm going to go to another church. Yeah. That's why I've never been a big fan of the blended style, because just— People leave half mad. <laughs> you know, I'll tolerate this. Happy. Yeah, I'll tolerate this. I haven't seen a lot of half happy, but <laughs> usually they're kind of half mad. Yeah, I'll tolerate this to get to this, or I'll sit out in the foyer till that's over, and then I'll come in. It's like, well, on. and on the on the sports versus church thing. Yeah, I think we're deceiving ourselves if we think that uh, that's the issue. When the issue actually is all of the competing forces that are out there that would prevent someone from coming to church. Yeah. An example for us in Burleson, Texas, is that one of our lowest attendance of the year is opening day. Yeah. <laughs> now, it's not opening day of the Rangers. No, no. It's opening day for deer hunting. Deer hunting, yes. That's definite. Right? Yeah. I think of that as being attention to manage, not a problem to solve. Yeah, you accept that that's attention. You accept that's going to be, you can preach all you want, say all you want, but that's still going to be an issue. Right. Every year. So, like, embrace that, fight against that, which way do you go? Well, and just to give some parents, if we do have parents out there listening in our global audience that think we are— I think this is mainly for children. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) Bozo will be on next. Mr. Green Jeans, Captain Captain Kangaroo, Kangaroo and Mr. Green Jeans. Oh, the good old days. Wow. I actually had green jeans as a kid. So so to the the parents of our global audience, we are not (laughs) suggesting— that you are going to hell in a handbasket no. if you have your kids involved in select sports. Right. Because there are some incredible examples of godly parents that know they're going to be gone on Sundays. Yes. And they are leading Bible studies and maybe even a remote service when they are on the road for families that are traveling with them. Yeah, you'll just spend a longer time in purgatory, but that's fine. That's <laughs> Ronnie, fine. I was just dispelling oh. that. <laughs> oh, Please okay. don't say okay. that. No. People are going <laughs> to think you're being serious. Sorry, we're Baptists. Okay. Yes. Uh, no but purgatory. They, yes, they, they will be in uh, paradise. Paradise. Longer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. All right, so that's one example we talked about. Let me, let me throw out another one, the issue of work and family. So if it's a problem to solve and you say, no, my family gets everything I have, well, then you just quit your job. Yeah, right. Right. You know what I'm saying? I do. Uh, that's a tough tension and you can come up with a strategy and a plan and to solve that is you may consider spending time with family and spending time in ministry, but there's always going to be tension because someone's always going to demand more of your time. You're always going to have to be, you're going to make a mistake too. So sometimes your family is going to feel neglected. You may have a strategy in place, but as things come and things come up and whatever church or whatever family, those things, right. you're still, so that's going to create tension. And so you've got to be willing to stick to your guns, your strategy, to your solution, but manage how that's communicated, manage how other people respond to that because they may not always appreciate your stance on, I'm going to spend this many nights with my family, I want to spend this many nights at church, and that's right. going to be the rhythm. Right, and we could probably have, we probably should have a whole podcast just on work-life balance, yeah. but one thing I want to pull out of what you just said was you do need to have a plan. Yes. You need to have a strategy, 
and it needs to be communicated to your family. Yeah, because if not, somebody else will set your plan. That's right. Your strategy. Ever since my kids were young, we had a rule in the house that I would give one night a week to the church. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. Right? Now, my kids are older. It's a little bit different. There's a little more flexibility. When they were young, I needed to be home. Yeah. And especially coming home from work, you know, I only had a couple hours before bedtime. Yeah. So I needed to be there. So, but it was communicated. We knew that. And just one other random thought, you know that I'm very, very weird. And I know our staff (laughs) understands that. When we talk about work-life balance, one of the things that I think is an absolute myth, living a balanced life, I think is true and a good thing when you think through long stretches of time. Yeah. But I actually think that God kind of expects us to live out of balance in the moment. Yeah. We are all in on something, all in on something. He gives us passion, gifts, and talents, and we pursue things like crazy for a season. Right. But the equation does have to total at the end. Yeah. And so there may be a season when you are working 80 hours a week for four or five weeks yeah. for some major thing, but then we need to have the balance to it at the end to say, hey, you, now you're taking two weeks off yeah. and you're going to invest in your family. Yeah. I mean, it's like go with the Sabbath, right? Right. So one day a week. Well, all the other days there's work. So that's not balanced. That's it's not 50-50. Right. You know, right. so even God in creation created six days on the seventh day he rested. So that's, yeah, the balance is a myth. I agree hundred percent. Okay. So here's another thing that we run into on our staff, but every single church I think faces this at some point, no matter what size you are. And that is the, the issue of uh, so let's talk whether it's a problem or a tension okay. yeah. that you've got all these young people that are on your team. Yes. They could be lay people, could be volunteers. Yeah. But in a lot of cases, we're talking about staff members that need to get through the glass ceiling. They, yeah. they need opportunities to grow and to become. We've got several guys on our team that are going to end up being pastors of churches. Yeah. So they need reps. They need a seat at the table. Right. They need exposure to a bunch of different meetings. They need to be given the opportunity to make decisions yes. that are going to be wrong, <laughs> and they need to experience that. Freedom to fail. Yeah. Right? So the tension here, the problem is that we also have to lead. Yeah. Right? And, I mean, there's only so many Sundays a year for a preaching opportunity. Yeah. So is it a problem to be solved or a tension to be managed? Well, that's, I mean, that's interesting, too, because, okay, so you have this say young staff and as we all did we learn through bumps and bruises and through failures so the way to solve that is you don't bring in young talent <laughs> you know right. okay so that solution doesn't benefit the body so now you've created more problems down the road because you've made that decision so oftentimes i think it is better to live with that tension hey we've created a culture where it's okay to fail right but we try to fail small mm-hmm. we try to learn from every failure we Try to evolve others so that you never feel like you're failing all by yourself or succeeding all by yourself. And so I, I think tension is better for the body overall. Right. So that always has to be in consideration of if even if you come up with a solution for the problem, what is what is the best solution? But is it better to just go ahead and say, we're going to just manage this tension because the solution is not going to be healthy? I agree. And I think that there's two things that you and I both wrestle with, and I'll pick on you first. Thank you. It's been a while. <laughs> I think you can tell how secure a lead pastor or senior pastor is by looking at the talent that fills his pulpit when he's gone. Uh, I know this is harsh. This is going to step on a bunch of toes. Yeah. (laughs) But if you are bringing in scrubs, 
to preach while you're gone, what you are indirectly communicating yes. is that you're afraid to have someone come in and preach that might blow you out of the water. That's a legitimate criticism. I mean, there are some that have that mindset. I want to bring someone that's subpar so it makes me look better. <laughs> that's, right? Yeah, that's great insecurities. Which or or another with. insecurity is if you don't do that, you bring in someone who is going to address your congregation <laughs> and speak incredibly bold about an issue that you don't have the guts to talk about. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't want to deal with this political issue, so I'm going to bring somebody in to do that. And yeah, I'll be gone on vacation. Well, that's a good point. I, just, I know that what I just talked about is incredibly harsh. Yeah. And I know that some guys are going real. to be really upset at that. But let me turn Sauron's eye onto me for a minute here. <laughs> As the executive pastor, I have the same insecurities. Yeah. Right? When we're making hiring decisions, do I hire people that I know are not going to shine as bright as I do? Yeah. Because that way I still have the seat, uh, the position that I have, yeah. right? Bring in people that are going to be just a little bit less than me. Yeah. Or do we hire the best? Yeah. I mean, I think you picked on pastors. So that idea, you know, old school thought was pastor had to do everything. I mean, every hospital visit, every, you know, whatever, every home visit had to be the pastor. Pastor had to be in every meeting. And so that has shifted over the years to letting the body be more the caregiving to the congregation. But that's also come with some problems of people who think, no, I've not truly been visited by the church unless it's the pastor. Okay, well, to solve that, then the pastor's going to have to do all of this. That's not really a healthy solution for the pastor or for the church. It's not allowing the church to be the body that it's created to be. And so you've got to learn to live with that tension of, I'm going to communicate this. This is how I'm going to address pastoral care in the church. Right? But you're always going to have people that come up and say, no, unless you come, it's not going to be valid. And so you're going to have to manage that tension. So even your solution has created more tension, but that's worth right. it. Again, you got to weigh the balance. Which which is better for the church? Which is healthier? Which is worth it more in the long run? A nuance of this issue for me personally in my job is the pace of work getting accomplished versus allowing people to grow through mistakes. Yeah. Right? In other words, there are decisions that get made in the organization, in the church, that then get executed on. And it's important for us to take our hands off of things and let people grow and learn. But in the beginning, at least, the speed and the excellence at which it's going to be done may not be as fast or as good as we would really want it to be. Yeah. But it's a critical process of learning to let people go do that. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, what we're saying is tension is not a negative. No. Necessarily. No. It can be a positive. You talk about, right, so that same idea, a pastor needs to surround himself with people who are strong in areas that he's not, or executive pastor, same right. thing. So that's going to create tension within you, right? So I've got to admit this person is better at this than I am, even though people have looked at, well, that's your job, right? You're supposed to be doing that, old school thinking, whatever. So you've got to be able to deal with that tension on your own and manage your own tension well, not just the ones that people bring into your life, but, okay, I've, I've got to be humble enough to admit this, and I've got to be a champion of that person rather than be threatened by that person. Well, that's always going to be tense. You know? I don't think I've gotten there yet. <laughs> I, 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 it really is, right? That's I really a, don't. That's a tough place to arrive. <laughs> Say, okay, I can allow because it is better for the church that this person's here and ultimately better for me as well, because I can't do all that anyway. 
to say, okay, I can I can play that role in this situation. Well, and to throw out one other, you know, part of this, and I, I know some will be happy that we say this. God is involved. Yeah, right. That's important. We we are we do what we do in order to serve God. Yeah, which means that I think sometimes we get so caught up in the fact that no, this is my church. Yeah, and well, okay, you have stewardship for a season. But hopefully the church is going to outlive you. Yeah. And so for us to think through and be okay with the idea that, man, I may bring on some people that eventually may push me out. Yeah. I mean, that's hard to even say. Yeah. Right? This is my job. This is my career. Yeah. But if I really have God in mind, if I have the health of this church in mind over me yeah. and my health, then that certainly can happen. Yeah. And yeah. That's hard. It's always funny when I hear somebody pray, you know, Lord, just I ask you to do this or blessing or whatever, pour out your spirit and just just move me out of the way. I just want to say, man, <laughs> just get out of the way. <laughs> you know, because well, you, you, you're, you're praying that thinking because I'm not going to be moved out of the way. So everybody's like, okay, well, he needs to be a part of this. No, man, just just step aside. You know, it's not about you. In other words, humble yourself and let this happen and don't feel like it's got to be all you and all that your idea and, and all your leadership. The wise person surrounds himself with with gifted folks. I agree. Well, hey, we have we have several other things that we need to suss out in the next segment, but let's uh, go ahead right what? now and and uh, sorry that <laughs> does that ring a bell? You know it suss out, right? I, okay, I have no idea. So this is this is one of my problems with Happy Rant. Oh, they say that all the stinking time. Suss it. Yeah, we got to suss it. All right, like, okay, Doctor Seuss. Yeah, man. You, I'm just not cool enough. But anyway, this is our Go No Go segment. I love this segment. Where we talk about resources, books, podcasts, movies, sports franchises, yes, whatever. Gluten-free uh, Things that we recommend that are beneficial yes. and then those things that are a complete waste of time. So, Ronnie, do you have a Go No Go for I this do. week? I do. I just was connected to a new podcast called Discern. And the focus of this is taking, for the most part, real world events, current events, and helping us see it from a biblical perspective, which is what we desire for all of our people. And so just as a pastor, it's been really helpful to think through some of the issues that we deal with in our world on a regular basis, some of the tension that we face regularly. Like what? Uh, like abortion, like racism, oh. like what's going on with Russia and the Ukraine. So to think through that and just hearing some of these these comments, and they used various authors and various personalities to speak. It's not just one person every time. But I they heard that there were some issues. big things going on in the Ukraine. There's a few big things going on. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, with the with the Russian invasion. So what? It's just been a yeah. It's been a great podcast to help me think through how can I communicate dealing with these issues to help people think biblically, which as a Christian is our responsibility. So I. I Give that one a go, Discern Podcast. And that's great. I'll have yeah. to check that out. That's yeah. one I haven't it's even heard about. Very interesting. Well, I also have a go today, and this is a shout-out to Dr. Tim Elmore. Which, which, do, you guys, do you know him? I do know Tim Elmore. See, I don't know him at all. I've never, never seen him before. I've never read any of his stuff. Oh. He has a company called uh, Growing Leaders, if I'm correct, and does a lot of work in the corporate world, works with some sports franchises, developing healthy culture. And he was at a conference last week that a couple of us were at, and he was talking about habitudes. Which habitudes. Is, habitudes. That's his big thing is habitudes. The password is Which is so habitudes. fascinating because yeah. what he's essentially doing for our
our practice, we have an upcoming... Making up words. That's what he's doing. <laughs> he is. We're going to do a series here in the coming weeks on culture, on Ooh. developing a healthy staff culture. And we did staff infection good. previously, yeah. right? <laughs> but this one's going to be developing healthy staff culture. We're going to dive in a little bit more into mission, vision, strategy, values. How do we flesh that out? All that kind of stuff. Good. Uh, what he has done is taken value statements for organizations and then paired them with a picture, some visual representation of a value. So it communicates uh, without words. Yeah. Right? Cool. And man, I just got to say, I've been a fan and I've been studying and thinking on culture for a number of years now. Yes. Organizational health, essentially. You're very cultured. And Tim Elmer was really good. Yeah. Really, really strong. Yeah. So if you have not ever read anything of his or watched any of his messages online, man, I strongly recommend it. I remember how I know Tim Elmore. How's that? You told me about him after that conference. (laughs) 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 I know that name. So Wow. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, Thank oh, you for caring. Yeah, you're so welcome. Hey, as we bring a close to the podcast. Oh, already? Yes, but l- let's Blue throw bye. let's throw out one other thing, one okay. other church issue that I think a lot of us wrestle with as far as a tension to be managed or a problem to be solved. I and uh, since we have production people in our room and they have submitted some obscenely <laughs> large purchase orders I knew recently. it was coming down to money. Oh, my come, gosh. Always comes down to yeah. money. In order to do what we do in our worship services, yes. uh, in our electronic communication, social media, all these things, I mean, it, it does take a lot of resource to do that. It does. And so I, I'm, I'm kind of almost embarrassed to admit that a lot of our gear that we have that we're using is 10 to 12 years old. Wow. And that's not a good space to be in. Yeah. So please don't go look at anything that we're doing online right now. Yeah. And I, uh, I just wanted to bring up that Jesus just had a boat. Like, that's all he Okay. Had. All right. Yes, that's exactly the issue, right? True. He did not even have a megaphone. I don't have a boat. But he was the son of God. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Right? He had a built-in microphone. No, but the tension here is how much money do we spend to do what we do versus how much money do we give away? Oh, yeah. Right? So is that a problem to be solved? Do we just say, no, we're going to have a boat? And we're going to do outdoor services and, you know, we're just going to do that. Or we go ahead and say, no, we're not going to do evangelism. We're not going to do outreach. We're not going to invest in other churches. And we're just going to do incredible production. Yeah. Well, I think that's that's kind of a stagnant attitude, right? So this is who we are and this is what we're going to be. And we're not going to seek any improvement or any kind of new impacts. So there's, and there are churches like that, plateaued, whatever you want to call it, just like, this is who we are and this is what we're going to do rather than pushing and driving towards something. A lot of churches don't have a goal, right, or a vision. Where are we headed? Right. Well, if you have a vision and a goal, there's going to be tension in achieving that. It's great, God-given. We all believe in it. But even that, where is our money going to go? Okay, so we give, say our church gives 15% to missions. Is that all we're going to do? Are we going to strive to get to 20%? Mm -hmm. Our goal is to be to 50%, church you were talking about. So that speaks a lot to a personality, I think, of a church if they're not willing to push beyond where they are currently. Since you threw that out, let me just give a shout out to Memorial Drive Presbyterian Church out of Houston. A go. Uh, that is a go. And they, part of their actual vision for their entire church has been for a long time and still is today, that they are a one-to-one church, meaning that for every dollar that they spend to do what they do as a church, they give a dollar away. That was fascinating. Yeah. That is that's just 
tremendous. Powerful. What a, sure. what a great goal to strive towards. All right, well, that's going to do it for this episode of Crazy Pastors. As always, if you have a Crazy Pastors story to share or you would like us to discuss a specific topic, please email those to crazypastors at firstburleson.org. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Go with God.